Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, and we'll get started in our scripture today. Joshua chapter 1. We are uh, starting a new series, four weeks uh, today, called, a series called Your Word in My Heart. Your Word in My Heart. Uh, we've endeavored uh, with this new series and this new year to meditate on scripture and to hide God's word in our heart. And we have given you a passage uh, for each month, and, that, and for this month we are uh, memorizing the Lord's Prayer together. Next week we're going to really focus hard on that. We'll actually have an insert next week in your bulletin with the Lord's Prayer uh, on the front and back with maybe two different translations. You can pick one if you haven't, haven't already picked one to memorize. And we'll spend some time actually in the service next week um, reciting that together. So maybe some tools to help you memorize God's Word. But it's, uh, it's a year that we desire to meditate on God's Word and memorize it. So it's meditate and memorize. And we're going to look at that today. What does that mean to meditate on God's Word? Um, and in today's uh, title is Don't Be Afraid. We're looking at Joshua 1 and looking at the, uh, the, the topic, Don't Be Afraid. And, and what uh, Joshua was encouraged to do uh, as he was taking, taking over from Moses, leading God's people, uh, obviously there was some fear and trepidation there, maybe some nervousness, and we're going to see what, uh, what happened there and what God encouraged him to do. So I'm going to open us in prayer, and we'll get into our scripture of Joshua 1. We're actually going to read uh, verses 1 through 9 together as an opener, and then we will get right into it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, God, the, the unmerited favor you give us through Jesus Christ. God, as we gather today, we gather not as a club, but as the body of Christ, as people who have been changed and transformed through faith in Jesus. God, we found you most satisfying. We found you as the greatest treasure. We're thankful for all that you have done as you have laid your life down for us on the cross, as you conquered death by raising victoriously from death, that we who believe in you would be forgiven and we would live eternally with you. We thank you for those promises. God, now as we look to your word, we ask that you would open our heart, open our mind to be receptive. God, we want to be obedient to you. We want to be humbled. God, we want to be convicted of our own sin and our own errors. And God, brought back into a place of repentant faith in you and, and faithfulness to you and your word. Help us see today, through Joshua's life, through your exhortation to Joshua, how we might not live in fear, but live by your word. We thank you, and we offer you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 9 together. Just give a little context for one, uh, the first few verses as well. So, ready? Here we go. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, or uh, the Lord's servant, uh, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where, uh, where your sole, sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and, and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success 
wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may, be, you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the Lord's word. So today as we look at the, the text, we're going to look at the, uh, the title, Do Not Be Afraid. Right? He says, do not be afraid or discouraged or dismayed. And, and I think there's th- that, that creeps up in us. right? And, and I would say this even, like we, we start a relationship with Christ. We, we understand who God is and, and that he, he sent his son to die on a cross. And we enter into a relationship of faith saying, God, save me from my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I want a relationship with you. I want to be forgiven. I want to be called a child of God. And, and there's this amazing thing that happens, that he forgives us. And he, he washes our sin away as far as the east is from the west. And he buries him on the bottom of the ocean floor. And we're in right standing with God. But then there's this life to live. And, and I, I want us to understand that we get dismayed and discouraged because life still stinks out there, right? That there, the, the world around us doesn't change when, when our heart changes. The world still stays the same. They're unregenerate and unrepentant and, and for the most part, pretty evil and wicked, right? There's some good parts of it and some good folks that, that love Jesus out there that want to do right. But we, we kind of get discouraged. And, and so there's a temptation, I believe, for you and I to kind of just sit back and be like, okay, well, God's got this. He's got me. I'm going to sit back and just kind of watch and see what happens and bide my time until he returns, until I get to be in heaven with him. It's like the biggest prize is heaven with him, which it is. It's him in heaven forever. But he's changed us for today as well. And, and so uh, even Joshua, who was a leader among Israel's people, and he was a man of faith, and we're going to see some of this uh, today, but he was a man of faith who, remember when, when Moses said, hey, we're going to send spies into the land to see what we're up against. And God had already promised, right? What had God promised already? That land's going to be yours. doesn't matter what's there. It's going to be yours. So the 12 spies go in, and they come back, and Joshua and Caleb were the only ones like, yeah, let's go. We're going to take them out. There's giants, but we're going to crush them. Everyone else was like, uh, we're a little nervous about this. We don't think this is a good idea. Let's not do this. And everyone complained and grumbled. And God said, fine. We're, you're going to complain and grumble. You're going to spend another generation in the wilderness until the new generation will go into the promised land. But Joshua was a man of faith. And he was a leader. He wanted to go. He knew God could provide. But even with the promises of God at hand, people were, were, were more content just waiting in, in the wilderness. Saying, let's just bide our time. Let's not move forward. Let's not progress. Let's not, let's not live in view of what God has promised. So today we're going to look at that, and it really has to do with God's Word as well. Because when we talk about God's promises and how He's going to provide for us, it's about you and I trusting what God has said. That there's power in what God has said, and that He is going to come through on that. So that if you and I would, would, would if we have fear, we would exchange that fear for what God has said, and, and, and we would be, be confident. Right, that's number one. Be confident. Look at Joshua chapter 1 here. Verse 5. God reminds Joshua, says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. No one will be able to stand against you. This is the, and, and he knew, Joshua knew this. He knew that when they, he went into the promised land a generation earlier, that, that man, no one's going to stand against us. It doesn't matter what's there. We're going to conquer the land. God, this is who God is. And so God reminds him, no one's going to stand against you. Now, why is this reminder needed? Why is this confidence needed? Moses has died. Moses was the leader. He was the go-to. And now, now Joshua is like the next in command. He's like, he's ready to, to go. 
No one's going to be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, God said, just as I was with Moses. Really interesting to to think about that. He said, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. You and I need to to take that to heart as well. Joshua, I think, has had some fear and had some doubt. And he's like, you know, yeah, I'm strong and courageous. And I I know that we can take the land. But Moses, he's our leader. So I'm just going to follow. I'm going to be a good follower, a good supporter. And and then it comes time when Moses dies. And he's like, now he's going to be in command. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not not Moses. I'm not Moses. Do you ever say that? Do you ever look to someone else that's maybe further ahead in their faith or maybe have more experience in their life or maybe has more knowledge in their faith? And you're like, I'm not that person. And we make excuses like, I'm not that person. I can never be like that person. And, you're, and you know what? You're right. You aren't that person, right? I, I shouldn't be you and you shouldn't be me. But here's what's interesting about your, your uniqueness and my uniqueness. The Lord has promised to be with us individually, each of us. And, and what he said to Joshua is not, hey, don't worry about it. You're going to be just like Moses. Is that what he said? No. He said, just as I was with Moses, what? I'm going to be with you too. Joshua, you don't have to be Moses. You just have to know that I'm God. And that I'm the same God that was with Moses, and I'm going to be the same one that's with you too. So for you and I who have fear, and we sit back like, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe you sit here and you're like, you know, it's a new year and you've made resolutions, but you're like, I'm not sure if I can do this. You can. You don't have to be me and you don't have to be someone else. You have to be you with God with you. The same God that's with me is with you. The same God that's with Moses is with me and with you. The same God is ready to give you strength so you can be strong and courageous and not be afraid. He says, I will not leave you or abandon you. That's the God we serve. He'll not leave us or abandon us. So he goes on in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. So there's, now there's some promises from God here. There's some promises that God is saying. One of the promises, he says, no one is going to be able to stand against you. Like I, I am going to give you victory. No one's going to stand against you. I'm going to give you the victory. And that, that's true for us too. We'll see that in a minute. The next promise we see here, uh, I will give you what I promised. Like I, I promised you an inheritance, and, and I'm going to give you that inheritance. And then the biggest thing that we should take away from this part is, I will be with you, and I'll never leave you. I'm going to be with you, and I'll never leave you. Sometimes I think we think, oh, well, God, God was with me yesterday. It's awesome. And now he's kind of like, set me on my, on my way. Go for it. You're, you're doing a great job there, tiger. But God didn't ever leave. He's still there with us, and we still need to rely on his strength and his power every single day. To be strong and courageous is to rely on God's strength and courage every day in every way, because he is always with us, and he will never leave us. He will never abandon us. God is with us. And this is a resounding promise throughout the scriptures. We, we, we see it several times. I'm going to give you a few instances of this. We see it in Judges with Gideon. Gideon says to God, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. What's he saying? I'm the weakest of the weakest, right? That's what Gideon says. What did God say back? He says, but I'll be with you. There it is. And I'm going to hand, and and you will strike Midian down as if uh, he were just one man. God says, I'll be with you. There's power because I'm with you. You might be the weakest of the weakest. 
it doesn't matter. God being with you is what you get your strength from. Uh, Isaiah, he, he encourages, uh, the prophet encourages Israel. He says in 41.10, do not fear, right? Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. He's like, be, be confident. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous, righteous right hand. This is the promise of God. He'll be with us. Psalm 118, uh, the psalmist writes, The Lord is for me. He's for me. I am not afraid. I will not be afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? What a great perspective to have. If you and I want to get up off the couch and do something for God, we need to have that perspective. What, what can a mere mortal do to me? The answer is the, the, the worst they can do is kill this body, but God has protected my soul. There, there's, so if, if I am eternally secure, there's nothing that they can do to me. God is with me. God will strengthen me. Then we see it in the New Testament as well. We just got through a Christmas series, right? In Matthew chapter 1, the angel comes and, and talks about the birth of Christ. He says, the, the virgin will become pregnant and she'll give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. God is with us. And then uh, throughout the life of Christ, and he's with his disciples, he's, they're following him, they're learning from him, and then he, he dies, and he, he rises from dead, and then he, he's about to ascend back into heaven, and what does he tell his disciples? A great commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, and what is the promise there? And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us. God is with us. Yet we fear. We fear getting up. We fear moving. We fear like even doing something for the Lord or speaking about the Lord. The Lord has promised that he will be victorious. We must get up and do something. And, and Romans 8 says this, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? God says, listen, I, I've won the victory, and the victory has been won through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ has come as the atonement, as the sacrifice for your sin and for my sin, and that through faith in him I'm forgiven, and you are forgiven. And now that we've had the victory in Christ, who can stand against us? What's the, what's the answer, church? No one. No one. Because now God is with us. In view of those things, God is with us. We don't have to be afraid. We can be confident. We don't have to sit around. We can be confident to move in action in obedience towards the Father. And that leads us to number two. Don't be afraid, but be careful to observe. Be careful to observe. So here's the, here's the interesting thing. Before God could fulfill his promises, Joshua had to exercise faith. Right? And faithfulness. This is the same thing when, when they went, the spies went into the land. God's like, I'm going to give you that land. So they sent spies. Instead of just going in and conquering, they sent spies to say, let's, let's check it out. Can God, and what were they saying? They were kind of like, can God really do this? Why are you even going in there? Don't, just, go, just take him out. Like, you don't need to do that. But they were kind of doubting. And, but Joshua wasn't. He's like, oh, we can do this. Let's go. So he's a man of faith here. And, and before he, God would fulfill his promises, Joshua had to exercise faith. And, and this is interesting. God's sovereign will, his sovereign promises, his, that he is going to be the winner and he's going to be victorious, right? And his word, it, it's an encouragement for God's people to believe God and obey his commands. Let, let, me, let me give you a why. Let me explain that a little bit. God has promised 
amazing things to Joshua here. God has promised amazing things to you and I through faith in Christ, that, that if God is in for us, nothing can be against us, that we, we should get up and move in obedience to him. And, and, and here's, here's what you think about. If God is for us, and if God is going to have the victory, why would we not be like, I'm just going to get up and go with him then? I mean, that's the victorious plan. Imagine being in battle. You could be like, I don't know, this, this is a weak leader over here. He has some bad ideas. I mean, a third of our army's been killed because of his decisions. And now he says he wants me to storm that hill. What are you going to think? I'm not so sure about this. But if you have a general who is victorious and strategically brilliant, and he says, this is what we're going to do to defeat the enemy, let's go. What are you going to do? You're going to go. Now, is there... Is there, are there consequences to that? Sure, people are going to die in battle, but what about with the Lord? When he says go, will there ever be failure? No. There will never be failure. Will, will some of us maybe lose our lives at times? Or are our brothers and sisters being persecuted or dying around the, around the globe? Absolutely. Does that mean God's failing? Not at all. God's victory is going forward. Saint by saint. And for you and I, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to sit down and watch. I want to stand up and move in obedience, be careful to observe what, what God's game plan is, what his roadmap map is, and get on board with that because he's the one that's going to be victorious. God's promises must be prods to us, not pillows. God's promise is not, okay, just sit back, I'll take care of it all. God's promise is, I am going to have the victory, come with me. And as you do, I will be with you. His promises should be a prod to us, not a pillow. Look at Joshua 1, 7 through 8. What does God continue to say here? Above all, he says, be strong and very courageous. To, to what? This is interesting, right? Because if God is going to, to tell us to do something, he's probably going to equip us, right? So it says, above all, be strong and courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Now listen, it's one thing for God to tell us, be strong and courageous. But it's quite another thing to actually enable someone to do that. So here I am telling you, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid, be confident. How do we do that? And God's saying, don't be afraid, be confident, be strong and courageous. How do he say it? Be careful to what? To carefully observe my word, my promises. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Like Joshua, like Joshua, our strength and courage, our strength and courage will come from meditating on God's word, from believing its promises, and from obeying what it says. If, if you hear nothing else today, this can be the sermon wrapped up in one phrase. Just like Joshua, you and I will find strength and courage from meditating on God's word, from believing its promises, and from obeying what it says. There you go. Sermon done. Wrapped up, right? That's it. See you later, right? It, that, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's what it is to find strength and courage. To have, it comes from God's word that he has given to us. And it says, be careful to observe. This is, this is so important. We, we aren't so careful, are we? We're kind of haphazard with God's word. Like, oh, I think it says something. I don't know. Someone said something about this one time, or my, my Sunday school teacher mentioned something, but I didn't write it down, and I didn't think about it. And when I left the church, I just folded it over, and I never saw it again until I cleaned out my Bible. 
That's what we do. That's how we are. We're haphazard about our faith. We're haphazard about the Word of God. Listen, this is precious, and this is powerful, and and it needs to be meditated on day and night, not just on Sunday morning between 8.30 and 9.30 or 10, or during Sunday school, or or maybe your Bible study midweek. It's day and night. Careful to observe. Deuteronomy 12, be careful to do everything I command you. Do not add anything to it or take anything away from it. Let it be what it is. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to take away from it. Deuteronomy 28, do not turn aside to the right or left from all the things I've commanded you today and do not follow other gods worshiping them. This is the fear, right? For us to not follow it, to be careful to observe it, we will not stay on the right path. We will walk out those doors and sway and be blown around by the wind. So God's saying, listen, listen, be careful to observe it. Meditate on it. Go to the Word of God and let it enrich you and let it guide you. This is the playbook. Get on with it. Because it's not just about the pillow and sitting down and resting. In fact, if we are lazy that way and just kind of sitting back, we will actually go the wrong direction. We will be swept up into any way of thinking that the world has to offer what does it mean to have success? It says, don't turn from it to the left and right so you'll have success. Like a lot of us say, oh, if I read the word, if I obey the word, I'm going to be financially successful. I'm going to be always healthy and I'm going to have this prosperity doctrine that I can name it and claim it because God's word says so. There's success and prosperity there. What is success in God's eyes? And, and that should be what is success in our eyes. Here's some questions you can ask about whether or not you are successful. What is success? Did I obey the will of God? Right? God's given us his word. He said, be careful to observe it. The question I can ask at the end of the day, was I successful at that? Did I obey the will of God? I also could say, was I empowered? Was I empowered by the spirit of God? Right? He said, I'll be with you. I'm going to strengthen you. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it says, it's better that I go. I'm sending the counselor down. He's going to give you power and you'll receive power and be my witnesses. So, did I obey God's word, his will? Was I empowered or led by the Spirit of God? And finally, did I serve under the glory of God? Did I serve under his banner? Did I serve waving his victory flag instead of mine? At the end of the day, was, was he victorious in my relationship with my spouse or my children or my neighbor or my coworker or my person, at my, my uh, student at school? Right? Was he victorious in that? Did he get honor or was it about my honor? We are so selfish, aren't we? We are so full of ourselves. We're, we're, we're so, we so desire our own comfort, our own way, our own honor. Were you successful today for the glory of God and not for your own glory? Those are ways we can measure success. It goes on though, right? This passage is talking about a lot of things. We talk about success. And, and he talks about the book of the law. He says, don't let this depart. This book of the, the, the word that, that Moses gave you, book of instruction, now Moses is gone, he's dead, and in and, and, and history would have it that Moses wrote the book of the law, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And this is what they had. This is what they were reading and meditating on. The priest would hold on to it for dear life, and they would protect it as precious. But that wasn't enough. Joshua had to take time to read it and make it part of his inner person by meditating on it. So this is what is in our scripture, right? It says to meditate on it day and night. We see it in Psalm 119 as well. Beautiful psalm, by the way. If you want to, during this series, read Psalm 119 with your family, it's, it's a powerful, powerful psalm about God's Word. But Psalm 119, beginning in verse 97, it says this, How I love your instruction, 
It is my meditation all day long. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. This is why we can claim these promises. Nothing can stand against you. Because the word of God makes us wiser than our enemies. It's always with me. I have, I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I encourage you this in a kind of a quip, right? I, I, hope you, I hope you are smarter than the elders of our church. hope you are wiser. I, I want you to know God's word better. So you can say that. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. That ha- that's not passive. That's active. I have not turned from your judgments for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every false way. And that's, that's what it is to meditate on God's word is that, that we would just, we would not turn to the left or right. We would be right where he wants us to be because we're, it's in our heart, on our mouth. And, and, and what it causes is, is, is a hate for anything that's not it. So that's a question for you and I. Do we, do we hate anything that's not God's word? Do we just say, no, that's not, what, no, that's not God's word. No, that's not going to fill me up. No, that's not going to give me strength and courage. No, that's not going to remind me of God's promises. No, that's, that's something else. Or do you run to those other things first? So what does it mean to meditate? And if you go back to Joshua, the word here, if you looked it up in the, in the translation, to meditate here is, is actually literally this. To utter and mutter. To utter and mutter. It's to speak. It's, it's interesting because we think of meditation like, okay, I'm just going to read it and I'm going to think about it and it's going to, as I read it, it's just going to get in my brain and I'm, I'm going to get it. No, this, this meditating on God's word day and night is actually to speak it, to utter it, to mutter it back and forth. It was the practice of the Jews to read scripture out loud, to talk about it with themselves and with others. It should not depart from your mouth. Listen, we, we have small groups in our church. I would really encourage you to be a part of them if you're not. What, a, what an awesome opportunity it is for you to utter and mutter God's word to meditate on God's word, to discuss it with others, to chew on it, to spit it around, to talk about it, and to, to hide it down deep in your heart. I, we have our small group today. I can't, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun to mutter and utter together. If you're not doing that, you need to. You, you need to get doing that with someone. Deuteronomy chapter 30, talking about meditation. This command I give you today is, is certainly not to be difficult or beyond your reach. Right, so this is, this is what people say, well, we're going to meditate on God's word. Well, it's just hard. It's impossible. I don't know if I really understand. I can really get it. Well, this is saying that. It's, it, it's, it's not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask, where, who will go up to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us that we might follow it? It's like you need this special announcement, right? Or, or it's not across the sea that you might have to ask, who will cross the sea and get it for us and proclaim it to us that we might follow it? That's not what God has done. He has not made this far away for us. He says, but the message is very near you. God's word is very near you. And he says, in your mouth and in your heart so that you may follow it. It is not ambiguous. And I, th- I think there are times in our life that we use that as, as an excuse, don't we? It's like, ah, I don't know. It's, it, I don't, not really. it's kind of uncertain what God's word really says about this. I don't know. I, and we, we use it as an excuse. No, I don't don't want it to be far away. I don't want it to be ambiguous. It's right here for you so you can have it in your heart and and on your mouth and that you might 
follow it. So, right, mouth, heart equals follow it. That's active. That's not sitting back. It's a prod for us to move forward. We move forward when we have it in our mouth and on our heart. And that gives us courage to follow Christ. Psalm 37, the mouth of the righteous one utters wisdom. There's the uttering. His tongue speaks what is just. This is what it means to meditate. I want to utter wisdom and speak what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. We, we, want to, we want to ask, God, how can I walk in your ways? How can I move forward? How can I obey you? He says, just meditate on my word. As you do that, it's going to be in your heart and on your mouth, and you're going to, you're going to walk in my ways. Your steps will not falter. New Testament, Colossians 3, it says, let the word of Christ dwell. I love that word, dwell. Right? To reside deeply. Dwell richly among you. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's not even speaking the word back and forth. What is it? It's also singing the word back and forth. We, we encourage you in a few minutes when we close our service, we, we close with singing the word back and forth to each other and to God so that we can dwell, let the words of Christ dwell richly among us and sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. It's been said, here's a quote for you, you can write this down if you want, I love this. It said, if you don't talk to your Bible and with others about the Bible, your Bible isn't likely to talk to you. Let me say that again. If you don't talk to your Bible and with others about the Bible, the Bible isn't likely to talk to you. It's so important for us to, to talk with the Bible, to read God's Word and meditate on God's Word and to talk about the Bible with others so that God's word would be hidden in our hearts and we would then grow to follow him. We need to be confident, right? We need to be confident. We need to be careful to observe God's word, meditating on it day and night. And finally, don't be afraid, but be reminded. Number three is be, be reminded. Joshua 1.9. Haven't I commanded you? God said it again. Right? How many times in this passage does God say, be strong and courageous? And now he's saying it again. He's saying, haven't I, I commanded you? Remember that I've told you, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged or afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, we, we already knew, right? We'd be confident because the Lord is with us. And he's going to give us strength. But you and I need to be reminded of that. Because then we step out in faith and go meditate on God's word and talk about God's word and mutter and utter it and let it talk back to us and let it inform our footsteps, it's going to be some nerve-wracking time. So be reminded that God is with you. And, and more than that, it, not only is God with you, but we need to be reminded that God is trustworthy. Joshua, at the very end of his life, at the end of his ministry, was passing the torch again, and he gathered Israel around to speak to them. And he said this in Joshua 23. He said, I am now going the way of the whole earth. He's, what are you saying? I'm going to die and I'm going to be with God, right? Uh, I'm going the way, whole way of the earth. And you know, here's what he's reminding the people. You know with all your heart and with all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made you has failed. Do you get that? Not one of the good promises the Lord your God has made you 
has failed. God is not only with you, He is trustworthy. He will not fail you. He says everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. God is trustworthy. We need to be reminded of that. Now, I I had some issue with this a little bit because I'm like, my first inkling was, yeah, God's not going to disappoint me. That's what I went to. That's where my heart went. Right? Can't we think that? Like, oh, hey, God's trustworthy. God, he won't, he won't fail. I won't be disappointed. What's wrong with that? That assumes what? What does that assume? That I what? That I know all of the counsel of God. That, I, that my, my life, my will, my mind is in line with his 100%. Only then will I not be disappointed. Let me ask you a question. In this life, in this life even of faith, will you be disappointed? Yes, you will. You know why? You're not perfect. And you don't understand God's total sovereign will over over all of history and humanity. And neither do I. But that's okay. It shouldn't be. God's God's faithfulness and God's trustworthiness should not be whether or not, uh, dependent on whether or not he disappoints you or not. It should always be dependent on this. Will God always do what he says? And the answer is yes. He will always do what he says. Even if you don't think it's best, even if it's not what you want, even if it's in some selfish way against what you would ever do, God will always still be faithful to him and his promises. He will always do what he says. Not one promise has failed. I want you to turn with me to Luke 1. This is our last passage. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Really interesting verse in, in, in verse 37 that we're going to read today. The angel comes to, to Mary. Okay, I know we're going back to Christmas, but I just love Christmas, all right? The angel goes back to Mary and, and to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have a baby, right? And, and God has found favor with you. And, and what does she say? She's like, how is this possible, right? God has said this, and she's like, how is it possible? Now, you and I can relate to this. God says something, and we say, how is this possible? Verse 37, look at verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I think we, we take that verse way out of context a lot. We take that one verse and say, man, it's like uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? Really? Can you do all things? But if you read the context, it's not all things. It's that I I I don't have to be anxious for everything, right? I can pray about things. I can can yield my spirit to God. I I can trust in Him. That's a bigger, greater context of Philippians 4. Not just, man, I I got an idea and I got a whim and I can do all things through Christ. No, that's not it. Same is true here. Anything's possible with God. No. Is it possible for you to be evil? Well, it's possible, but is that what God wants you to do? No. He's not empowering that. This phrase, with God, nothing is impossible. She is asking, God, you have said this, and I'm asking, how can your word be possible? It doesn't doesn't seem probable at all. And a better translation, a more accurate translation is is this in this verse. This is for you and I to trust God's word, to think about God's word as as high and exalted and and something that we run to and meditate on. This is a better translation. Mary, church, no word from God shall be void of 
power. No word from God shall be void of power. If you look that up in that original translation, that's what it says. That, That the word of God is what is powerful and trustworthy. It's not that, oh, just with God, everything's possible. Yes, God is our strength and our courage, but he gives us that through his word because no word from God shall be void of power. We need to make sure to hide his word in our heart. So when we're afraid or when we're dismayed, that we would remember and be reminded that God has commanded us to courageously walk into into his word and in his word. And he's reminded us that he is always the one that is powerful and with us and that he is trustworthy. Go to God's word. Meditate on God's word. Be careful to observe everything he has commanded us. Amen? Why don't you stand with me as we uh, close in prayer and then worship. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I, I thank you so much that your word, uh, and with your word, there is, there's no void of power. The power is from your word, and when you have said it, you will do it. God, I mean, we trust that. God, we, we, we want to come to you and have a relationship with you and be forgiven of our sin, but God, it's, it's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. God, may we strive to hide your word in our heart, to mutter and utter it back and forth, God, to, to, to itself and to you and to each other that we might learn from it and grow from it. We might find the power and trustworthiness of Christ there. God, let the words of Christ dwell in us richly. We thank you for that. God, now as we close, may, may you help us to meditate on your word through song, to hide those words again in our heart, to sing those songs to one another and lift up thanks, songs of thanksgiving to you that you might be honored and glorified. We offer this time to you. Transform us, we pray in Christ's name.